Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Best at Work podcast. My name is Jaime Raul Cepeda. I lead Best Companies Group and Color Magazine. And I'm very excited for the topic that we'll be talking about today, which is all around inclusion, especially around the environment, the space that we're in, right? We're going to have some experts here that are going to walk us through their points of view, the things that they've done to create more inclusive workplaces and environments. Before we go to that, I just want to remind everybody that we do have the Best Companies Group HR Leadership Conference coming up on May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We still have tickets. We still have an opportunity for you to be there. It's going to be a great time. We are SHRM certified and HRCI certified as well. So you'll be able to get credits if you're an HR professional. And we'll also be honoring the best HR teams in America. So go to bestcompaniesgroup.com forward slash conference to learn more. And with that, I want to share the stage here with some folks that you'll see there in Minneapolis, right? Starting with uh, our very own Matrice. So Matrice, if you could introduce yourself to everybody, and then we'll go around with everybody else too. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Matrice Allen. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And I am the manager for diversity programs at Color Magazine. And I also help um, as a program manager over at Best Companies Group. So I'm helping do logistics and organizing of the conference, uh, reaching out to speakers, talking to folks, you know, um, and I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. You're going to be at, in Minneapolis too, right? Um, having a session there. Yes, I do have a session. I almost forgot. <laughs> Uh, key components to an inclusive workplace that I will be giving with Daniel right. and Dr. Douglas Allen. That's right. That's right. Fantastic. All right. And um, I'll, I'll pass it over to you, Aaron and Alex, but I want to set it up this way is because uh, I want to, I always start this off with that job interview question. We all love to hate and hate to love, right? Which is tell me about yourself. <laughs> so, Alex, Aaron, tell me about yourself and, you know, you can take that wherever you want. Wow. Well, that's a good setup. So I'm Alex West Steinman. I'm one of the co-founders and partners at The Coven. We're a co-working community and workspace, really fostering the future of work through inclusive design and inclusive communities across the country. We have two locations. I'm here in our Minneapolis space. Um, let's see. What about me? Um, I have two kids, a six and an eight-year-old, and they are the absolute light of my life. Um, they are so hilarious and really know how to uh, snatch me out of whatever whatever <laughs> funk I'm in. Um, I'll give you a little sense of my daughter. She's six years old, and she told me the other day what she wanted to be when she grew grew up, and she told me that she just wants to do her. So <laughs> that gives you... <laughs> I'm doing something right because I also want to do me when I grow up. Uh, but right. that's, uh, yeah. that's, we're doing something right. So that's a little bit about me. Erin? Thanks. Thank you, Jaime and Matrice. This is so nice to um, I'll be sharing space together. So I'm Erin Farrell. I am one of the co-founders and partners of The Coven, um, as Alex mentioned. Um, I was just so thankful that um, you didn't ask, where do you want to be in five years? That was the question I thought you were going to come at us <laughs> with. And I was too. like, 
legit, I'm never answering that question ever again. After the last five years, we've all lived together. So. I thought you were going to ask about my weaknesses, and I was about oh. to just give you a litany of. I want to write those down for next time. Let me see your weaknesses, and I raise you imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, okay, a little bit about me. Um, let's see. I also have two children who are wonderful and hilarious, and um, they mirror the friendships of their mothers. So it's very fun to see um, Oscar and Olivia be hanging out with Coop and Zoe while Alex and I are hanging out and uh, building worlds that we imagine for ourselves and for others. Um, uh, gosh, what else to know about me? My career has been um, a hilarious treasure map of all sorts of different stops along the way, everything from software development to consulting to project management to um, new business to advertising to operations um, and eventually landed in this space, which really calls kind of all of these things together, um, being able to co-lead the coven um, I always kind of thought my superpower may be uh, helping to create environments where folks could feel uh, the most uh, creative and productive and um, seen. Um, and so I'm just so honored to be able to do that work alongside Alex and our two other co-founders, Bethany and Liz and her fantastic staff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Isn't it funny how that question is so hard to answer? <laughs> Really, it's like, there's something about that question, right? Where whenever we get posed that question, you're like, yeah, who am I? What what should I say about me? Like, we've almost like never thought of that, right? Uh, I just find it fascinating, and and also uh, when I get the question, equally frustrating. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like I don't know what what should I say about myself. Um, so thank you for being here, and 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 just for everybody out there. Just to let you let everybody else know, you are one of our keynote speakers, right, at the HR Leadership Conference, which we're really excited about. And it's all about this topic, right, around inclusion. But I love the angle, right, that that uh, you take uh, at the Coven, right, which is creating inclusive spaces, right. So, uh, you know, whoever we can start, we can start maybe with you, Alex, and and then you know go Aaron and back and forth. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you went, yeah, your journey to creating the coven and spending so much of your time focused on creating spaces, co-working spaces that you know create belonging and inclusion? Yeah, well, I think I yes, I'm the perfect person to talk about this, and then Aaron is the absolute perfect just perfect person to talk about how we bring it to life and and yeah. every single day. Um, so we started the coven in 2017 as honestly a group of really fed up women. <laughs> um, we all came from the advertising industry. There's four co-founders, um, and we were all friends and working really hard to figure out ways to bring more women and people of color into the advertising industry and into leadership positions. If you're familiar with the show Mad Men, not much had changed at the time <laughs> since then. Um, and so we had a lot of frustrating situations where we were even in the leadership rooms. We were at the table, mm -hmm. right? They say like, you know, give us a seat at the table. And we did have a seat at the table, but none of us were actually seeing the results of the work that we were doing. And we recognize that, you know, change is a long road. 
Um, but giving, you know, really specific direction on this is what women, non-binary trans folks and women of color and people of color need to advance in their careers. Um, and there just wasn't a lot of interest in the actual investment in that work. Um, and things have changed a lot since then. But at the time, we were struggling to, to see a path forward within the industry and see the change within our lifetime. Um, Erin tells this story all the time, but I remember sitting in Erin's kitchen and looking at her and going like, I just don't know that we're going to see this in our lifetime. I don't know that, you know, I just realized that I had been being paid like, you know, exactly the statistical amount less than my white counterparts. I, I don't know, I'm a black woman. And so I, you know, if you can't see me, it's a podcast, but, <laughs> but um, I think that's a real, like, um, that was a real mind shift for, for me to say like, you know what, I think we should create, you know, we should create something that's, you know, ours and what would that look like? So we affectionately had the name The Coven before we started the business. We uh, had a number of tech strings that were named The Coven, um, talking about, you know, what would we build together? And, um, you know, not just what we would burn down, you know, which would be the patriarchy if we had that opportunity. Um, <laughs> but what would we build in its place and what type of environment would we create? And so over the course of the summer of 2017, we spent that a handful of months really doing a lot of deep market research, interviewing hundreds of women, non-binary trans folks and men, understanding what would a space like this look like? What could we create? What type of environment would give you physical and psychological safety? Um, and then we hosted what we call witching hours, which were, um, you know, focus groups or happy hours, um, not just to ask people deep questions about what they would want out of the space, but to really observe how people interact with one another when they feel safe and comfortable. And we were lucky enough to be able to do it in Erin's living room, which is a really beautiful and hospitable environment. She's a phenomenal charcuterie board plater. <laughs> um, she makes a delicious, uh, she, she sets out a delicious cheese spread. Um, but really it was like, what would, what do people do when they're meeting new people for the first time? How do they interact? Do they need a lot of facilitation in connection? Um, and what we found was that all they needed was that just like magical spark and environment and safe environment that made them feel like I can show up as my whole self. And so that's truly where the roots of the coven began. We're in Aaron's living room and we thought, what, how could we create this living room somewhere else where it, you know, didn't interrupt her entire evening. Um, and like her kids weren't running through the middle of the kitchen, but really what would it look like to have a space where that was really built for our most marginalized communities, which are women and women of color. And so, um, that's really where we started the idea for the coven. We knew it was a physical space. Um, we crowdfunded to open our first location. We raised $350,000, which was really a testament to the need for this type of community yeah. in the space. It was sight unseen. We didn't have a, we didn't have a lease when we, when we opened the space, we were just in kind of an empty space. We're like, if you want to see this happen, like we need your help. And, and people really showed up um, and, and have stuck with us through, you know, the pandemic, through the uprising, through, you know, many, many things over the course of the last handful of years, every variant, right? Um, and <laughs> here we are today, um, continuing to expand our vision um, through franchising across the country, um, building a really strong community model. Erin um, can probably speak much more to how it comes to life, you know, visually and physically and, and what all of that means, but that's our origin story. 
Yeah, thanks so much, Al. I always get, um, I still get goosebumps every time we talk about it. <laughs> Not just the stress goosebumps, which is really what our lives are as entrepreneurs every day. But no, it's such a, it's such a beautiful reminder. Um, so one of the things that we'll talk about at the conference is, um, you know, creating inclusive communities. And I even use the term creating uh, very loosely, because I think one of the things that we really want to honor is the fact that like these communities already exist. Like folks have been doing this for the annals of time. Like this is nothing new because the coven showed up, but it really is about how do you ensure um, that space can be held in a really beautiful and thoughtful and inclusive way so that communities have both the physical and psychological safety to be able to show up, right? So what that means from is being able to consider experiences that are outside of your own, whether that is a racial or cultural experience, a, um, a, a generational experience, an industry experience, right? Um, trying to think through a parenthood type experience, right? Like we all live these beautiful, deep myriad of lives. And so how do you kind of hold space for all of that to happen. And we really believe that creating anything inclusively, you know, that for us, the coven that comes through, um, not just design of the spaces, which is certainly important and, and certainly my area of expertise from an interior design perspective, but, you know, um, through design, through people and through culture and really considering kind of all of those components together um, is what creates a really inclusive space. And so, the way that that comes to life at a really high level, I'll give some real tangible examples because it's helpful to have like a visual thing when you're not able to experience it. But, you know, for us, it, um, it's the books on our shelves. It's the art on our walls. It's ensuring that, you know, artists are local and they're coming from um, a multitude of lived experiences. It's the books, again, that are written and that are shared for us, we are a space that is open to all genders, but we focus our programming primarily um, in the design of our spaces for women, non-binary, and trans folks. So that means things like the scale and size of the furniture, right? Women in general are shorter than men, making sure that we have spaces that we can sit down and feel comfortable. And our feet could touch the floor if we wanted to, right? Uh, the design of the furniture that is really size inclusive. So it's not just considering one experience. This is, um, maybe not everybody knows this, but most office furniture is designed for a 6'1 male. The mm. size and scope of it. Fantastic for those dudes. Super stoked for them. But for many of us, right, this is like when you walk into every office building and it is a version of that, you just can start to feel smaller and smaller and unseen, right? Um, it's thinking through how folks use the space. So do they have an opportunity to be both extroverted and introverted? Do you have spaces that you're considering the tenor of the lighting, that you're thinking about the sound and how it's transferred? Are you encouraging connection in those, um, you know, kind of extroverted spaces? And are you encouraging focus in those introverted ones? Are you allowing folks to move in and out of the space like that through the day? Are you thinking about things like neurodiversity? So making sure that there are textures that are present. You're bringing in natural elements, whether that's through light or that's through plants, um, making sure that the environment itself is really enriched. Um, and then also thinking about the naming of things, right? So for us, we often use this example of 
in our first location, uh, we were really excited to have a really beautiful mother's room because um, from our lived experiences as moms, we had to pump in a lot of weird places, right? Like we're talking bathrooms, we're talking IT closets, we're talking hallways, we're talking glass offices where we had to turn and face the windows because <laughs> there was no accommodation in the space. Kind of insane, right? So we built this beautiful mother's room that was like bathed in natural light, but had lots of privacy, super comfortable furniture, a sink, a fridge, all of these things. Fabulous, fabulous space. Um, and early on, we had a member that came to us um, who was gender fluid and said, hey, I love this space. I love using it. I don't identify with motherhood, but I do identify with parenthood. Would you consider renaming the space? And from then on out, it was like the easiest change in the world. Yes, now we have a parent and prayer space in every one of our locations to ensure we have a space for parents and also folks who may have a daily prayer or meditation practice where they can, you know, kind of be able to squirrel away while still being in a really beautiful space. So I use those examples. I know those are very like interior design examples, but they're things I'm, I'm hoping that people can use to help visualize when we talk about inclusivity. Those are the things um, that we're thinking those are some examples of the things that we're thinking through that's great that's great um before i go a little bit deeper on on those because there's a lot of fascinating stuff that you all shared uh, matrice I'll, I'll, I'll cede the floor to you if you have anything that you want to jump in on because i know there's some good stuff yeah i have a question for you kind of around marketing actually and how we even got to this point of me reaching out to have you be speakers <laughs> at this conference i found you before I was even working at Best Companies Group, uh, I kind of just felt your vibe. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm interested <laughs> in it. I'm I'm going to go look at it. And so immediately when I go to your website, as I'm, I'm looking through it, I'm just remembering my first experience. It felt like a place I wanted to be. I was like, this is interesting. I hate working in person. Absolutely despise it. So <laughs> I often look around for like co-working spaces um, because I like to work remotely. And it doesn't. I, I I usually don't like to go into a space, but for some, something about your website felt like I want to go to that place. I want to interact with those people. They look fun. Um, this looks like a place where community building can happen. This looks like a place where I could feel safe. And uh, for the folks on the podcast uh, who are listening, I'm a black woman. I also identify as a disabled person. I also just identify as a queer person. And when you're all of those things, lots of times you're like, can I go to this space? Can I can I enter this space? Can I exist in this space in a way that isn't harmful to me? And sometimes even just like you mentioned, that could be chairs. That could be I'm I'm at a theater and I can't fit in the chair or I'm on the plane and I have to stop them from taking off because, you know, I, I don't have an extra seatbelt because I can't get buckled in because they didn't have extenders just there, right? Like, these are things that I think about constantly as I move through life. But as I was looking at this website and going through, uh, it felt like those things were thought about. And I can't quite put into words why I felt that way. So uh, my question to you is, how do you express something like that, express that community building, express uh, just the welcoming nature of it in your marketing on your website and how can HR leaders even look to you and having that same expression in their company sites? Like, how do I look at something and I feel like I belong there and that I feel like I'll be okay there? Yeah. Oh, Matrice, that's such a good question. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your experience. And, and gosh, that means so much to us that you looked at our website and I can't wait to share with our team. <laughs> They'll feel so good about just 
being able to communicate really what it is to be in this space. Um, it is a really tough thing to do to show what it is that we do in the space. And usually what we're talking about is walking the talk, right? Not talking the walk. And so I think there's this is a really interesting like reverse engineer conversation. I think when you do things with full authenticity and you do things with full heart open and with the knowledge that you're not going to get it right every time, um, you will communicate those things to people, right? So if you come at it with arms wide open as this is what we are trying to do, this is what we attempt to do every day and we live this in our bones, that authenticity will come across in your messaging and in your language. We have a workshop that we do that's all around um, branding, right? We talk about um, how to build a marketing campaign that meets your you know, purpose and vision and mission. But we don't start with the messaging, right? We start with purpose. And I think when you start with purpose and then you move towards a framework and then you you know understand values and then you get into the messaging, it's all related to the purpose of the organization. And so our business is all around the economic empowerment of women, non-binary and trans folks. Our business is all around um, you know ensuring people have access to resources and community and a sense of belonging. And those things from that purpose then is communicated through messaging. So like a lot of our messaging doesn't say, you belong here. (laughs) Like nothing out there is saying like, this is for everyone. Like this is, it's truly in, in the, in the root of our business purpose. Um, We're able to create communications that match that purpose. And do we get right every time? Absolutely not. And I think that is one way that um, one thing that we do publicly is talk about (laughs) what we're learning and how we're growing and who we're talking to. Because again, like, I think we're really lucky to have such a broad and diverse community of people because we're able to talk to people who have, you know, different lived experiences and they're, um, they feel safe and comfortable enough to share their experiences and what they wish we had or what they, we could offer. Can we do every single thing that people ask for? Absolutely not. You know, that's, we're also a business that has to continue to operate and we need to figure out ways um, that we can both make accommodations we can support people's growth. We can communicate with people why we can do certain things. Um, and all of that is is kind of public facing. We do our best to be really communicative with with our membership and our community. Can I can I go a, a double click on that? Because I, I think it's a very interesting point that you brought up, or the question that you brought up, Matrice, and the, the answer, Alex, is um, especially that last part around there are some things that you know you should do, but can't in that moment, right? Because I think at the end of the day, that, that's change management that any company organization out there faces at some point or another. Like, we'd love to be able to do this. However, we know it'll impact our business, our clients, our customers, our reputation, our bottom line, where it's going to hurt us. We know we should do it, but we can't right now. So can you can you go a little bit deeper into that, Alex and Aaron? Like examples of when that's come up, how you've handled it, while still maintaining the sense of we're still all in in creating an inclusive and 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 you know welcoming environment, but we just can't do that right now. Whatever that is, yeah, you know? yeah, I can. And Al, obviously, please jump in. <laughs> There's a 
then you would think I'm missing or if um, there's another example you think of. Um, so to, you know, I think that there's, there's a couple of things that really come to mind. And I think one of them is there is no business impact that is more important. Like you can, let me, let me start this again. You can always care for people. Like there is no negative business impact to that. So I think sometimes we can get caught up in the minutia of, well, we can't, we can't create um, gender neutral bathrooms in all of our locations because that would just be so expensive. And then that would, you know, that would hurt our line and that would like, and I think it's um, when you think of just all the way to that, like, if you think of just the, that one example of that thing, right, that someone is asking for, you can sometimes miss the point, which is what someone is asking is, I want to be seen. I want my experience to be valued. I want to feel cared for. And there is no there is no cost to something like that, right? So I think that there's an element of if you've been entrusted, truly entrusted to be able to care for someone, there are a lot of different ways to um, to showcase that care. That might not be that exact solution, right? But there might be something kind of in between. Mm. Um, we talk a lot about in our spaces, like Alex had referenced the, you know, the the walk the talk, right? There is an element of like, this is like, trust is not something that is just given and holding inclusive community and being a trusted HR professional, being someone that folks trust with their psychological and physical safety is not a title that is just bestowed. You have to keep earning it. It's not you do it once, you made all of the right decisions, you checked all the right boxes, right? You made all of these things happen. That doesn't just automatically make someone feel safe, right? It's it's the actions that you provide in and around every day. And the fact that like, if you are willing to put yourself in a position to say, I know that I have to keep earning this trust over and over and over again, right? So for the folks listening to the podcast, I'm a white woman. I'm in my mid forties. I had, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. Like I have a very, I have my lived experience. That's what I have. And I am also a part of a group that our responsibility is to take care of, um, you know, BIPOC folks, to take care of folks who um, identify as disabled or differently able, to take care of folks who have a much different lived experience than mine. I have to earn that trust over and over and over again. And that is something I'm okay with. It doesn't, it's taken me time, right? It's not a test. I'm not passing or failing the test every day. It's just really putting yourself in the position to say, yeah, I'm willing to take on that responsibility and recognize that that's the effort I need to do. So I hope I kind of answered your question in that. I think sometimes we can get ourselves a little bit caught up on the very specific ask or the thing at hand, and we can use that as a shield to not to just kind of not do the most basic thing, which is to ensure somebody feels seen and celebrated and acknowledged and cared for in their workspace. Yeah, I'm hearing it's it's equally important what you uh, do um, as how you do it, right? Because you may not yep. you may not be able to get them exactly what right. they request, but even just the process, even just creating the conversation of okay, let me understand a little bit more about why that's important to you. Okay. Let me tell you what we can't do that. 
And it's it's like um like the word that comes up for me a lot when, when we're thinking about this is just like respect, right? Mm-hmm. The respect of saying, let's give this a thoughtful moment, right? Rather than just saying, we can't do it, let's brush it off or whatever, or we're too busy. And so it's almost worse than if you had not said anything at all. That's right. That's right. We had, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of your question, which is what it was an example. And one I can think of is really early on. I mean, this is wild, right? Because we started our business. We started marketing our business in the fall of 2017. So think of like the fall of 2017 to now and just what we as like a larger society, our understanding of gender in these six years, like how tremendously this has changed, right? And we're part of this, right? Like we were a space that was really using gender as one of the the areas that we wanted to focus on. And really early on, might've even been before our crowdfunding campaign, we were using some language around for those who identify with womanhood as a way of what we were trying to be was inclusive to say, hey, this is a space for folks that you know are women or maybe gender fluid, but identify with this. And we heard really quickly like, hey, a lot of trans folks in our community, that's not how they identify a lot of non-binary folks who are dear to our hearts. That's like, that's like not, you know, identifying with womanhood had nothing to do with their experience. And so that again was like a really easy way to go. I say easy in that it's like, if you're again, willing to do this work and put yourself out there and recognize that you're not going to be right all the time, like then it becomes easy. If you're worried about being right all the time, then it becomes much harder. But it was like, okay, yes, we got this wrong. This is, this language is not ours. It's not our lived experience. It's not, you know, so let's talk to the folks who are giving us this, um, you know, this feedback and talk about how do they feel seen in our language? How can we ensure that they feel seen? Um, what feels the most appropriate? Um, and it is something that we, you know, and then again, then the work comes back to us to go, yeah, we have to make sure that we're building relationship there, that we're not just assuming a specific thing about somebody's identity um, and living into that and not just changing the messaging to have somebody get out of my email inbox, right? Changing the messaging because we really want to be better for them and then to engage them in conversation moving forward and to invite them to become a member and to continue to get feedback and all of that. It's it's that longer term relationship. Yeah. I think, you know, being open to evolving over time, I think that was like one of those moments where we were like, gosh, five years ago, we wouldn't have even had this conversation. And now we're at this point. And five years from now, I hope we're having a very different conversation. And so being open to the fluidity of even just language changing, which like language has rapidly changed for us. I mean, language as like, talk about like Gen Z terms. You're like, I don't even know if people are speaking a language anymore, (laughs) you know? So like, I'm trying to keep up people. Um, But I think because of, you know, social media and the way that, you know, we communicate with one another, I mean, language has rapidly evolved. And I think at that moment, five years ago, when we started this business, we were looking at each other like, gosh, I hope in five years, we're having a very different conversation. And I think what, um, what we learned from that is, it is okay to evolve. And it is okay to, to shift. Um, and it's okay to say we don't know, and to engage people in the conversation. I think that's like really the core to our business and the core to community building as a whole is being constantly pulsing in on your community and constantly examining the space um, as the recipient. So if you're an HR professional, you're observing your employees as an employee. So experiencing the space, how they experience it. And we do the same 
in our community experiencing the space as our members experience it, which is very different than me being here and making a pot of coffee and doing taxes and running around and, you know, checking in on people. That's a very different experience than me working in the space and observing and understanding exact. This is how it feels to be in my community. And this is how somebody else may receive it or understand, understand it from their point of view. Um, one, uh, one thing that, that you all mentioned earlier was, the importance of creating that that spark of magic. I think that was the the, the term you used, right? That spark yeah. of magic that happens when you create a safe space and you don't create the community, would you just kind of like let the community emerge that was already there, mm. right? Can you share a little bit more about the things that you found that are important to creating that spark of magic, that safety in a space? And... and and I don't know how much of, of this you're able to go into, but now that we're so many of us are remote, like right now, right? We don't we don't see people in person, but we see people. <laughs> uh, any you know any tips that you can give around how you're able to do that when maybe you have a dispersed team or most of your communication is done via Zoom? Yeah, that's and, a big meaty know, question. Aaron, if you want to give it a go, <laughs> like you start. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> no, you do it. Um, so there's a couple of things that come to mind immediately. Um, one is um, is the importance of, and Alex kind of referenced this already, but the importance of modeling, like modeling in terms of we as co-founders in the space for our staff, for those other like community leaders that you know naturally emerge, right? They would be leaders within any sort of organization really charging each of us with that importance of, hey, how you show up in the space really matters, right? The way that you care for. And when I say space, like we can talk about physical space, but we also have been holding our community in a digital space for a number of years, right? When when we, when the pandemic first started, I don't know how this even happened. 24 hours later, we had a digital platform because we knew we wanted to keep connected with our community. And we offered at the time, a, a week later, we offered um, pay what you can digital membership. We know folks need community right now. Join the coven. If you can't afford a dollar, then that's fine. Whatever you can afford, you're welcome to, to join. And we saw, um, we had what Al, over 500 people join within like two and a half weeks. And these are not just people that were in the Twin Cities. They were all across the world, right? And we were really charged during that time with how do you hold digital space? Everyone feels so physically unsafe, deeply psychologically unsafe. We're not in the same place that we can like literally hold, hug, care for a person. How do you hold that space? And so a lot of that comes through modeling. It's through um, understanding how culture exists and evolves. So it's creating the types of patterns of behavior and and um, expectations and how we're going to show up and care for one another in a space. So we would start a Zoom call literally with like, here's, let's take a moment. Let's talk about how we're going to hold each other in this space today. Let's talk about how we expect each one of us to show up. As in, there is no expectation. Be any version of yourself that you need to be here today. But here is the language that we want to ensure that we're providing you. And this is how we want to hold each other with deep care, right? So just kind of those are the types of things that in digital spaces we want to be really clear about. 
Um, so certainly modeling, um, representation always matters. So Matrice, back to your question regarding marketing, I think Alex answered this beautifully, talking about starting with purpose and then getting the messaging. It also gets things into photography, right? It's just that, like making sure that folks are shown in your space being their full selves and like how welcoming that can feel, right? Like we can all go to a website and know when it's like, uh, you know, a, an image that someone downloaded off of somebody else's <laughs> like website, you know, and it just kind of feels hollow or, uh, you know, a version of somebody's life, but not necessarily the real one. Um, so making sure that we have representation in the folks who are our presenters, the folks that are our experts, right? Um, making sure that folks are sharing their expertise, um, that they don't feel like they can only share their expertise from the possession of their lived experience, right? So not just ask, asking Black folks to talk about their experience as Black folks, right? It's like, no, come on and tell us your expertise as a marketing genius or how you built out your technology platform or whatever it is, right? Um, I think just kind of considering all of those things along the way um, really helps create the conditions for a really caring environment and inclusive environment to um, to work in. Hmm. Um, I want to be respectful of time, and uh, but Matrice, you know, maybe you can you can take us home with any of your you know, questions that you might have, and then, you know, we can, we can close it up, but it's been, like, we could keep talking about this <laughs> for a while. And I, and I, and I definitely would like to, but I also know that we all have, uh, I definitely have a kid out that's just <laughs> waiting to barge into this office and show me his Legos. So oh, <laughs> it's just a ticking time bomb there. <laughs> so I'll pass it to you. Yeah, so, um, and you don't have to go too deep into this, because I know this could be a two-hour conversation, but what is your initial process when trying to create a physical space and making, what is kind of like your checklist of things to think about? Because you kind of went through a bunch of different things that people are like, probably listening and going, I never even thought about having something around sensory or around like textures in, mm -hmm. in my in my office. Oh, wow, it's a really good idea. Just what's your either your process of, of coming up with those or what's your do you have like a list that you just like kind of refer back to of let me make sure yeah. that I'm thinking about this, this, that and like, how do you hold all of that in your head? <laughs> Well, I want to say two things, and then Erin, I'm sure, has a hundred more. Um, the first being understanding your market really well. And by market, I don't just mean the people who are in your space. That is also important. But the market meaning, where are you in the world? Because place is so important. Understanding what community and neighborhoods you might be in, your business might be in, what office is around, what office and amenities are around you, what are the socioeconomics around you? Um, how can you contribute to the community as a whole? And how can you bring in folks who are of that community into your space? So when I talk about that for us, I'm talking about local artists, local musicians, what is the way that you can get people from different socioeconomics into our community um, who may not be able to afford a membership? We offer a, a, a scholarship um, for those types of folks. It's called a community funded membership. So it's funded by the community, which is really cool. Um, those types of things are really important because you don't want to just be a 
blob in the middle of a beautiful and thriving community. And maybe the community that your space is in is not beautiful or thriving, but really needs um, some support. And maybe that's something that your space or your company can contribute to. And so we really want to try to build relationships with people in that area. I think that's a really important first step um, when you're identifying a location, if you're on that kind of location team for um, within the HR department, um, or if you're trying to get people to come back into the community, and maybe this is your first step, it's really understanding where are you and and how are how can you contribute to that neighborhood? Erin, I know you've got a list. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish there were just as simple as a checklist. That would be fabulous. Um, I will definitely say it's continued to grow as we've learned in each one of our spaces. Um, you know, absolutely everything Alex just said. I mean, for me, I'm a, I, I'm like, I'm love local artists so much. And it's often one of the first things that I say to any organization is like, listen, if, you want to be a holiday inn and that like wherever you walk in to the world, you could be in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, or you could be in Minneapolis, or you could be in Denver, or you could be in Toronto. You're going to walk into a holiday inn and it feels exactly the same. And hey, there's some specificity to that. I can understand that provides a lot of people some level of comfort. There is also something that feels really warm and inviting and a bit more authentic, dare I say, if you were to walk into a space that feels like that community that you're in where you're like, gosh, this feels like, you know, this is the coven, but this is the coven Nashville, or this is the coven Edmonton, or this is the coven Los Angeles. Like the vibes are still the same. The care is still the same, but the art is different. And local artists will always be leading the way when it comes to awareness and change and what is necessary in the environments that you're in. So I think that is just that's a really great, frankly, shortcut to be able to do that. It's also a really excellent conversation starter, right? So it's like, tell me mm -hmm. about this artist and um, the story behind them. So I always am, I'm always saying like, start with local artists. They're a really great way to um, ensure a lot of inclusivity and well, um, hospitality in your space. Um, we also think a lot about accessibility, right? So like, absolutely yes to ADA and all of the things to like make spaces physically accessible. But beyond that, right, what does accessibility look like in terms of is there public transportation nearby? Like, can folks get to and from your space? Are there safe walkways that they can do that at night if they're leaving their space? Is it well lit? Right. So thinking about accessibility from a broader perspective as well has been something that has really um, we've continued to try and grow muscles in, frankly. Um, and I also say, Alan, Al and I have probably looked at at this point. 700 different pieces of real estate together for a variety of like coven locations. And I will say one of the quickest ways that you can help ensure that you're creating an enriched environment. So folks, um, the ability to feel connected and healthy is making sure that there is natural light and a lot of it in your space. So there's actually studies that show that like even even the idea of natural elements. So like having a dark room that you maybe wallpaper with like botanical things actually provides a different response in people. They actually feel it evoking nature and they feel more calm and collected in those spaces. So finding the way to bring in natural light, to bring in real plants, if you can do that, you know, those kind of touchstones that create a really deep aesthetic experience um, that is really welcoming. So, and the good news is, is with a lot of this stuff, like 
you can do it in your own existing space. Like you don't have to feel like, oh, we just signed a lease and I didn't think through these things. Like there are always ways to improve. Um, and we are always up for having those conversations if there's things that we can chat with um, or chat, you know, ch uh, chat with people about. Um, but we all, all also want to be really clear that um, it doesn't matter how cool or shiny or beautiful or even light filled the space is. If that space doesn't feel rooted in a culture of care and belonging, then folks are not going to want to be there. So making sure that you are considering culture and people alongside the design of the space is what is going to create inclusivity together. Thank so you. Some, some great <laughs> tips. Uh, and, and accessible, right? Like, like these are things that anybody, anybody out there listening, whether you're an HR, whether you have your own business, whether you're an employee, right? Like these are things that are within reach, right? You don't have to completely redo your space. These tweaks here and there, this intentionality can go a long way, yeah. um, which is great, which is why we're so excited to have you in, in Minneapolis so that you can tell us all the secrets uh, to creating an inclusive space that that creates this sense of of just community, right? That we keep hearing here. This I think that's the, the word that I've heard the most in our conversation is creating a community that is rooted in uh, the space it's in, whether it be regional, whether it be the company, whether it be you know anything else, but like it's rooted on in something rather than you know generic, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Patrice, for co-hosting this with me uh, to have this conversation. We are really, really excited to see you in Minneapolis. Uh, again, that's May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. For anybody interested, you go to bestcompaniesgroup.com forward slash conference to learn more. And Alex, Aaron, we see, we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much.